Episode 4, Stigmatizing Effects and Reactions of Self-Stigma. So, hello and welcome back to the fourth episode of my Self-Stigma podcast series. I'm sorry if I sounded a little tired or bored in the last one, and I apologize for the quality of that episode. I'm not sure if I'll make a new episode 3 or not, but it wasn't my best work and I'm not that proud of it at the moment. But regardless, I want to continue on with this project, um, despite that episode. So, basically, in the last episode, I described the steps of self-stigma, and I introduced the idea of how people interpret mental health stigma differently. I focused on mental health stigma, uh, while in this episode I want to focus on self-stigma specifically. But, however, to recap, some are positive, like, some people interpret mental health stigma in a positive way. It's like an encouragement. It's like, this might be a little challenging, but I can overcome it. Others are unaffected. They just don't care. They don't see themselves as different than somebody who doesn't have mental illness. And of course, these types of people do not have self-stigma because they can overcome it. They can just push it to the side. It doesn't, it doesn't affect them as negatively as in self-stigma. People with self-stigma, of course, can't overcome stereotypes of mental health illness and whatnot. And in this episode specifically, I wanted to tackle the effects and reactions of people who deal with self-stigma. Um, like I kind of said before, the last episode was focused on mental health stigma, and it's a bit difficult because mental health stigma and self-stigma are so closely related that one kind of leads into the other, and they're kind of interchangeable in a way. But regardless, I wanted to focus on self-stigma, since that is, of course, the focus of my project, and I wanted to address how people react to self-stigma in different ways, and the effects, and all that. So, in this episode specifically as well, I will be referencing a journal that I read online titled Stigma and Difficulty Accessing Medical Care and a Sample of Adults with Serious Mental Illness by, excuse me if I don't pronounce these right, because these are very difficult for me to read, Dr. Leisha Ostro, Dr. Ron Manderscheid, and Dr. Ramin Mojtabai. Pardon me if I did not say those names correctly, but without further ado, let me begin. So, to begin with a quote from them. People with serious mental illness die 25 years earlier, on an average, than the general population from preventable chronic diseases such as heart disease, metabolic syndromes, and respiratory illnesses. Although this is kind of detached from self-stigma, I thought it was important to include because it shows just the effect of mental health, um, mental health illness rather, on individuals. It leads them to die earlier. It takes its toll on them. It, it's awful. I also wanted to include this because it's rather important background information. Um, so in this journal, these three doctors conducted a sample of 1,670 adults with mental illness, and they asked them whether or not they thought that um, the difficulties in accessing medical care were linked with stigma. They asked them if they thought that. And 211 of them, or 13% of them, attributed difficulties in access, medical access to stigma. So, what does this mean? Well, this means that stigma, as well as self-stigma, kind of refrains people from seeking help. It also doesn't help that, um, as they quoted in their journal as well, that I'm going to mention, 
Because of historical disempowerment experienced by people with self-stigma, end quote, they do not seek help. Um, historical disempowerment is like, over time, they just, their self-efficacy, as I mentioned in the last episode, their self-determination, their self-worth, their self-value, it just breaks down and down and down over a process of time. And because of this, they they just don't seek help. There's no need to. They already know what's happened. So why is there a need to seek help? And from this, they worsen. They isolate themselves. They start to close themselves in into a very unhealthy mindset. And it's awful. I also wanted to include this. There, and I quote, Their analysis explored three primary predictors of poor access to medical care and stigma for people with serious mental illness, comprehensiveness of medical care benefits, severity of mental health symptoms, and personal empowerment. So what does this mean? So comprehensiveness of medical care benefits. So they might comprehend like the medical field, they might understand, they might be educated on it, but um, those who are educated and have stigma, sometimes they're not always willing to partake in the... They're not willing to partake in medical care because of their intelligence, more or less. Like, they know what happens. Sometimes the self-stigma undermines someone's intelligence or um, education because self-stigma is more or less based on a pattern of moods of thoughts and it just it internalizes you it breaks down the rest of your thought process more or less and that is one of the reasons why people don't seek medical care especially if you're focused on your own illness and there's no there's no attempt to get better there's no desire to get better as well because that's just the way it is why try? That's the way it is. That's their viewpoint. It's negative, it's pessimistic, but that's how it is. Severity of mental health symptoms. Sometimes people with, um, the more, like, how do I explain this sufficiently? Excuse me. Usually, in these cases, um, the more mental health symptoms you have, the more, um, one thinks that somebody can't treat them or that they think they're not worth the effort. Sometimes um, there are medical professionals who seriously cannot help certain patients because they have so many symptoms um, as referenced kind of in the journal even though I'm paraphrasing it a little bit. But um, it's just a struggle. It's a struggle. They don't think they can go. They have these symptoms. They have so many symptoms, they're like burdens on their shoulders that they can't, they don't want other people to experience with them, they don't want to take care of themselves, they can't take care of themselves because this is just the way it is. And finally, personal empowerment. Personal empowerment ties back into the idea of self-efficacy, um, as I said before, or in this case, lack thereof when it comes to self-stigma. There's hardly any personal empowerment. There's no, there's no encouragement. It's just why bother? Why try? This is how it is. Why should I go seek a medical professional if I know I'm going to be like this forever? So that's the way it is. So it leads to a really negative mindset and 
nobody nobody with self-stigma wants to seek help. They're convinced that they are right, in a sense. They're convinced that society is right and that they are a certain negative adjective and they are unfit for society. It's terrible. In the next episode, I'll be sure to cover anything that I might have wanted to add in this episode specifically, but I think I've covered most that I have wanted to cover in this episode. Um, Like I said prior, I'll probably add more in the next episode to this specific episode and talk a little bit more about this because I don't think I sufficiently went in depth that much in this episode, but I think I gave you a basic summary, and I hope I gave you a basic summary, of just the effects of self-stigma and how it destroys somebody, basically. And with that, please tune in to my next episode here in a few bit. I also wanted to mention that my next episode, episode 5, will feature an interview, and so stay tuned. Goodbye! Goodbye!